Hello and welcome to Talking Tent, a brand new podcast about movies, TV, and all of the content we could possibly consume. My name is Zach. And I'm Irma. We are a married couple whose love for movies and TV cannot be contained, so we've decided to share our thoughts, opinions, cheers, and occasional jeers with the world. It's Valentine's Day, so we'll be celebrating that special day for lovers by talking rom-coms in 2023, where they stand, what they are, are they good? But first, we're going to start like we always do with some hot gas and industry talk. And I think the big thing that happened this week was the, the puppy bowl. <laughs> the big game, the Super Bowl. Oh, actually. right. That happened too. Yeah, maybe one day I'll have a talk in tackles where I can actually really talk the X's and O's, which I would love to do. I came in thinking that the Eagles were the better team, but you cannot discount Patrick Mahomes, and that's that's what it ultimately came down to. The Eagles' defense totally blew it, but I think Irma would much rather talk the halftime show and the Woo! commercials. We could talk about football. I mean, hey, I'll I'll sit here quietly that's while you all right. pontificate. That's, maybe that's for our Patreon exclusive talking tackles <laughs> okay. next, coming talking next Zach. season. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the halftime Super Bowl, I think it was unbelievable. I thought it was great. Rihanna um, came back after seven years of not performing. Uh, she looked great. She announced she was pregnant uh, with a little belly rub, as you now do. And I think she was great. I loved it. What do you think? Yeah, I was pretty impressed by the production. Yeah, the production was unbelievable. And she sounded great. You never know what you're going to get out of these shows. I think it's really hard because it's a massive stadium and they don't exactly have the same amount of time they normally would for a concert to figure that all out, setting it up, ripping it down. Although I guess some of the recent ones, The weekend sounded great also. Um, but she sounded great and the, the production was just insane. Yeah, like, those stages, the, that was crazy. The floating stages was such a good yeah use of the like space. just like the visual and it, it was definitely the most visually stunning Absolutely. show i can think of i can't remember them using so much choreography in the cameras so obviously yeah. she had like 200 yeah, because dancers. the camera went upside down at one point yeah you're right obviously she had 200 dancers out there with her yeah all guys in white while she glue in red Glue. Glowed. Oh. Glowed. Glue. <laughs> I've never heard that term before, glued in red. Yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. That's why you've never heard it. Oh, my God. Moving on, just the camera, the, all the drone shots they yeah. use. It's like everybody's really advancing what they can do with drones. You got platforms flying in the air. The best way to capture all that is with drones flying with them. I know Rihanna was strapped in. Were the rest of the dancers strapped in? I imagine they were. Okay. Yes. So they were like dancing. I know she was kind of like mostly in place and I don't blame her for not like dancing, I would say, on those platforms because it looked pretty scary. But yeah. Oh, I would be terrified. I can't imagine. Yeah. I'd be shaking my she must have just been up there for a little bit just to get her bearings and all the practices and yeah. just practicing something that high dealt with it. But I would be shaking in my little boots if I was hanging up there. So, so loose. 
the steady cam work when the obviously it probably didn't look as cool if you were there because you saw the cameras, but the one steady cam shot with all the the dancers, what he went through the line, then they moved out of the way and they moved. Yeah, out well, of the that's way. the the one shot that's like all over Instagram. It's just like me wearing white pants when I have my period, and then all of a sudden Rihanna's there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and that, that's when Isn't she that did the old touch and sniff, huh? Oh, sure, sure. No, sure. she appeared holding her butt. She had a few oh, right, iconic right, shots right, that right. I think she knew what she was doing. The memification of the internet. I think she knew I can't fully perform because I guess she didn't feel confident with all the dancing. Uh, I mean, I don't really care if she wanted to dance or not dance. Is sure. she known for her dancing? I don't know, but she like didn't really move, right? If so that what, if that's though? one knock, that's the one knock. Yeah. So she made up for it by having just like some iconic shots. Yeah, I suppose. Like with her different looks, her different faces, yeah. the use of her hands in different provocative ways. But yeah, I thought it was excellent. Very entertaining. Yeah. Everybody yeah, and was... she's pregnant with her second baby. They don't call him Aesop Rocky for nothing. What no. do they call it? Why? Why do they call it that then? ASAP. Like ASAP. Oh, I get it. <laughs> oh, boy. ASAP. Yep. Yep. Sorry. They got it quick. Nope. Not your fault. Went straight over my head. Well, I don't think I said it right. That's all right. <laughs> that was a joke from uh, a friend of mine. You stole. I you did. Stole I the did. Joke. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess I guess people watch the Super Bowl. They like to say that they watch the Super Bowl for commercials. But we were talking while we were watching it. And like the super, uh, the commercials are never really that good. I feel like no, every time never. we're always like, oh God, the commercials are so good. Then after everyone's like, oh, the commercials were fine, but they're always fine. People just forget because commercials yeah. in general are always just fine. Well, sometimes they can be really good. And I want to say there's always like maybe one or two that like really like I remember like that Farmer's Dog commercial. I thought it was so good. I actually made me cheer up when you're like seeing the dog get older. And then like at the end of the commercial, you see his life from his perspective. I was just like, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. Other than that, I did kind of like the Pepsi commercials. The first one with Ben Stiller and then with Steve Martin. I mean, whatever. They were they were fine. And then all of the other ones, like they were just so overloaded with celebrities. And I really feel like they're doing the nostalgia push where it's just like, oh, remember that person? Oh, right. Oh, remember that person? And they're only there for a second. And it's just, I don't know, just gets like a bit too much. Like they all becomes like so repetitive and half the time you don't even know what it's for. I mean, even Jesus got his own commercial. Jesus too. got lots of commercials, but Je those Jesus commercials have been every son, every football season. Oh, well, I've never season. seen it, but yeah. Oh, yeah, God. That, those yellow and yellow and black uh, new newfangled Jesus commercials. Yeah, the, the farmer's dog one was a big one. I, I kind of like seeing some of those relatively small companies really make a pop. I think- that was probably the the biggest commercial. You think so? Uh, yeah. I mean, besides just having like Alicia Silverstone back as Clueless Girl, right? Yeah. But as something that people would be like, were you crying from the commercial too? <laughs> well, and yeah. it's nice. It's a small company that probably put a lot, you know, that we're like, all right, we're spending a lot of our marketing budget on this. True. And I think it worked. Yeah. And I, apparently they're a pretty good company. No, uh, no Budweiser commercial. Yeah, like no, like Clydesdale or like the polar bears for like Coke even, right? Yeah, I can't remember any Coke commercials, but I don't know if Pepsi puts the Bogarts it or something. Oh, yeah, I feel but, like Coke always does at least have one commercial. You can't just Bogart the whole thing, can mm, you? I don't know. 
I don't know the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, everyone was freaking out because it was like the crypto bowl. Everyone called it because of all the crypto commercials. Then obviously crypto this year has been in a troubled state. And this year kind of felt like the electric car commercials. It was the big, yeah. all, of, all of the big companies. So obviously everyone knows Tesla, but all the big main normal well, car one of companies them- came out as their big announcements of like, we have these trucks, we have our GMC trucks. And, and one of them did a like a, a collaboration with Netflix, yeah. which was so weird, but kind of cool in the, in the same way. I think that was the Chevy one. It's like right. half Chevy, but then they were recreating Netflix stuff with yeah. David Harbour. Yeah, that right? was kind of cool. I had fun watching the Super Bowl. It was it turned out to be a really good game. I did not expect there to be that much scoring. Oh, and I even won the boxes. I was so proud of myself. Irma won the boxes with 8-5, eight, which eight, is five. so unheard of. I had never rooted for Kansas City to get a field goal in my life. Yeah, really funny how it worked out. They they needed to they need there was 35-35 Irma needed 3 points from Kansas City, so they knelt it down. Yep. It worked out perfectly. <sighs> Didn't go in for the touchdown. Controversial penalties maybe cloud some of the talk, but Hopefully people realize that the Eagles defense totally let the team down. That's for talking tackling, though. Now we're going to pop on our sweaty sweats, get in our comfies, maybe grab a snack. Sitting on the couch, we're talking TV. The Last of Us, Episode 5. We're going to fully spoil Episode 5 of The Last of Us, so if you haven't listened to it, fast forward about seven minutes came out early actually to not compete with the Super Bowl dropped on smart. Friday very smart it's nice it's not I mean it must feel nice now for company for the HBO and them to just be like all right we could just move it it's just not as important when it's on it's just That's available true. on the streamer or classic HBO uh, for those of people that are and this still one was watching. another heavy episode I oh, feel another like great one it's it continues to be shockingly good yeah Obviously, I heard the game was good and the narrative is good. And Craig Mazin has now a reputation, but I am still blown away each time. Like, how can they possibly do that again and do it again and keep me riveted? And then this one did it again. They introduced two new characters and got me loving them. And yeah, then- with Henry and Sam, two brothers. Oh my gosh, Sam is so cute. I couldn't get over his, how cute he was. And he's really deaf. And I just love that they like incorporated that into the into the story because you think like, I mean, not everyone's an able person. And of course, like in the apocalypse, like it's nice to show those type of stories and then how he relies on Henry, similar to how Ellie relies on Joel and them needing each other. They have what is it called? Like a mini interview after every episode. And we always watch that. And they were saying how like this relationship is like a mirror of Joel and Ellie yeah, it just was like a devastating episode. I mean, when you think like, oh, it's about to end happy for once, like they're going to come with them on this journey. And then all of a sudden, just one more minute later, it's just like the most heartbreaking thing. And then, yeah, like just like another suicide. This is what the second episode that they've done that. It's just awful. Quite rough. A very bleak outlook. Yeah. It will be interesting to see. From the little I know of the game, I know it's mostly just Joel and Ellie walking around, you know, getting to where they need to get to. So how much are they going to deviate from that? I think they have in certain aspects, 
but will it become get to the point like should I even have considered that these two characters might make it out of the episode or was it obvious that nope it just know, doesn't I know. work like I will we just constantly know that it's always going to end in devastation until maybe the end when something something might work out. But then there's The Last of Us 2, which they're doing season two and three about. So it must continue being really, really bad. Yeah, who knows? I mean, like, I was definitely waiting for something to happen. I thought maybe they could just go on their separate ways. Like, maybe they have a place that they, like, know of and want to get to. I was just, like, hoping that, like, it wouldn't end as bad. And, like, I was waiting for Sam to say he was bit. Like, I was waiting for Henry to say they got bit um and of course sam did get bitten and so ellie tries to save him with her blood because she thinks she's immune or something and of course it doesn't work and i don't know it's just like really sad like henry having to kill sam and then realizing that he cannot live without sam like he just like it he needs like they both need each other to survive and so he kills himself and then joel is just kind of like wow like he lost his person too, like in the first episode, but he kept going. But so what's that say about him? Yeah, that was very early on in the outbreak. That's true. The daughter immediately died. Henry had 20 years to realize that there was really no point in life other than his brother. So when Joel's daughter died, Joel hadn't completely lost hope in the entire world yet. I'm sure. I'm sure and if Ellie were to die... Yeah, I don't. I don't see him killing himself, but I think it would just be he would just be like, "What's even the point of anything? Yeah. That's it. There's nobody left." Or if he finds out, which I'm sure he will, based on what's happening in the show, that his brother is dead. We'll see. Mm. I just continue to be so impressed by Craig Mazin because even I'm I'm talking about this and being concerned about will the bleakness become predictable. Yet I still. This episode was holding out hope that something might work out for these two characters. And then was still, it was even the delivery of the death, the two deaths still like immensely affected me. And I actually didn't even see the the turning the gun on himself coming. I thought he would just give the gun up and, and break down. And then he he didn't. Yeah. And it's, I just want to go back and just say like, it's similar to like Frank and Bill, Bill, basically not being able to live without Frank and them just kind of deciding like, well, there's just no point in living in this world without you. Very true. So that's how like Henry feels. He's like, without Sam, there's no point. I did also want to just shout out the swarm scene. That was cool. The swarm scene, it was terrifying when Irma called it out first, actually, when the truck started to sink, she was like, oh, they're coming. And <laughs> so ominous. And it was so cool. My only kind of complaint, and this goes back to the fact that it's based on a video game. I think they're giving the video game players a little too much. The concept is based on the video game. A lot of the story beats are definitely based on the video game. They never, I understand in, in a video game, there needs to be more powerful monsters. That's just how it works in Resident Evil and such and other similar games where you're fighting beasties. There's always bigger beasties because the easier beasties you get, you get annoyed of having to kill them. And then other ones, boss level. That's what I screamed when the, the giant one came out of, out of the ground. In this world, they hadn't, like, how? What is that? Is that just a seven foot five guy that was massive 
and turned into a mushroom being maybe it kind of seemed like they didn't these people these things are people and now they've kind of introduced that they're i don't know i don't know what that was it was cool as hell i'm just not positive it worked in the it works in the story that they had developed outside of the video game i agree and then the sniping thing was cool i again was envisioning that part of the video game and being up there and watching Ellie move through the maze of bodies and trucks. And I imagine you were sniping and keeping her from getting eaten. And it was probably really cool and scary. Yeah, that was super impressive. And moving on to our for our first disappointment, I think Poker Face, this, this episode was not good. Yeah, it was definitely a little disappointing. I just didn't love the characters. I didn't love the setting. I don't know. I just felt like it was, I don't know, a bit contrived in a way, like just like a bit predictable. They had also kind of already done it with the Lil Rail Howry episode that the victim, we were duped and then yeah, the people that right. killed them were, were secret lovers. That. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was just disappointing. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. I did, yeah, I kind of started thinking, is the concept already a little tired? Because if you're not going to, I know we celebrated the fact that it's going to be an easy, fun watch and we're not going to have to be crying. But then also, if there's going to be that little depth to it, I think they need to make it a little funnier. And maybe it was just just this episode that there really weren't any laughs and the they, they were in the theater. So they were kind of really hamming up the acting. So it's like a theater episode for theater people and the theater people were really a little over the top. But yeah, I think if they're going to... I don't know how many more episodes there are, but if it's going to stay pretty flat on the the depth, I need I need a few more giggles. Yeah, we were also a bit drunk when we watched this. <laughs> so who knows if maybe that played a part in it, but well, we'll see where it goes. I think the next episode we want or the next TV show I should say we want to talk about is Extraordinary, which is also on on Hulu. Extraordinary is yet another real life take on the superhero genre, I suppose. So similar to The Boys or Invincible, but far less serious <laughs> and way less violent. It's interesting, the the creator kind of envisioned a world where people gained powers when they were 18, but they're not necessarily superpowers. In fact, most of them aren't. A, a bunch of people seem to be able to fly, which is nice. One of the main characters can channel the dead. Well, I feel like that's a cool power. Yeah, but like you can't save the world. It's not like superpower, superpowers, like superhero superpowers. Yeah, no, I know. They're very normal. Yeah, yeah. So the whole- well, not normal, but yeah. They're the just whole, like abilities. True, yeah. And the whole world gets a power. So it's just very normalized. These people aren't special. And in fact, the main character, Jen, the story is about her because she's now 25 and her power never developed. So- it's kind of like one of these fish out of water, awkward girl that can't fit in, but in a world where everybody has powers and she's just normal. Yeah. And she's kind of not fun, but also very funny. Like, I don't know. It's just hard to explain. Like, she's kind of self-sabotaging. She's just, she's angry because she doesn't have a power, but she's trying to be all cool about it. But yeah, I mean, I feel like if I were to live in that world and I never got a power, I would feel like I would be a horrible human being to people. Like I would just be awful. You know what I mean? Like imagine being in your 20s. Yeah, it's tough. 
Yeah. That's that's what they deal with. It's it's very funny. So it, it's it leans hilarious. It leans more towards um things like Derry Girls being human, which is more supernatural. So it's a pretty good comparison. Love Sick, which was on Netflix, it was formerly called Scrotal Recall, just about three people that live together in their 20s and it's their sex lives. And so ultimately this story is about people with powers and the reason that she's an outcast because she doesn't have powers, but it's not really about the powers. No, no it's not more at just all. about people in their 20s trying to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I kind of love that like people have these abilities and no one really like helps anyone like like I feel like I said this in the last episode, but like I believe it takes place in London and like the city itself, it's not like anything's really changed that much. You would think that they would have like advanced or something with all these abilities. But no, it's just kind of like maybe even a worse place to live because now people can just like, I don't know, exploit their powers for to get money. You know what I mean? Like, I think we meet a veterinarian and he talks to animals, but they're still all caged up. You know, it's not like he sets these animals free like. Yeah, a crazy power for a vet to have, although you understand that it's easier for him to do his job because he can hear what the animals are thinking. Yeah. You know, when they're sick, it's a lot easier for someone to be able to tell you what hurts. But it's also there. The animals are, are miserable and he has to hear that all the time. Yeah, yeah. And then the one. So the one character that does kind of try and fall into their classic superhero and get a gang together to stop street crime is the third of the three roommates, which is... Carrie's boyfriend, yeah. Yeah, so there's Jen who doesn't have the powers. Right. And then Carrie and her boyfriend. And Carrie and Jen are, are longtime friends yeah. from high school. And so the boyfriend actually probably has one of the most powerful powers in the show. <laughs> He's yeah. just a buffoon and doesn't really know how to use it. He can turn back time. And the but way, like not very far. Yeah. So the way they get away with it is that he can't he can't go back years or months and like stop a war. Yeah, yeah. But he can go back five minutes. Like you could go back five minutes to do a lot of things yeah. to either make yourself ridiculously wealthy or something, or you know, or just actually help with certain things. You can save someone from getting hit by or a bus. Or not have a fight with your girlfriend, which yeah, is which, what he does a yeah. lot in the show. One of the episodes goes into that they're having a party and for him it's like 24 hours because he just keeps rewinding yeah. things because he doesn't want to have the hard talk. And then there's your favorite character, Jizzlord. Yeah. <laughs> Who's these, a cat. In these shows, comedy shows, I tend to just love the the idiot character for some reason. Not, I not that why. he's an idiot. <laughs> Joey in Friends was my favorite friend. So Jen takes in a stray cat who she thinks is just a cat. And we quickly learn that that is a human whose power was that he could transform. And he transforms into a cat at one point and gets stuck. And then when he goes back to human form three years later, he has kind of forgotten how to be a human. Yeah, he has like amnesia. Yeah, and he doesn't remember anything from before his life. Uh, so, I mean, before his cat life. So he's kind of an idiot <laughs> and he yeah. relies well, on he's Jen. like learning how yeah. to be a human again. So it's like a fully grown adult who's very skinny and tiny person. But uh, yeah, like learning what thing, like really simple things mean. But we would definitely recommend it, especially if you like the some of the shows I compared to Dairy Girls. Very similar, quick-witted humor. 
awkward, awkward girls. Yeah, absolutely. London as opposed to to Ireland, but yeah. close enough. Very fun. Okay, now we're moving on to date night. All of these movies, I believe we watched at home. We didn't go into the theaters. They're all rom-coms. Uh, and the first one we're going to talk about is Your Place or Mine, which was on Netflix. And this is the one with Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher that came out about, I would say, people in their 40s who are who dated at one point are best friends. Um, yet yeah, dating didn't work out. They're best friends. They live across the country from each other. Reese is in California. Ashton is in Dumbo, Brooklyn, New York. And this is them getting together, I guess. So Reese's character, who we learn is no longer married, has a son, and the son's father is not involved. She has to travel to New York to take presumably a week-long course that is going to help her in her career at a college where everybody else is there for the full year. Phase one in the complaints we'll, we'll have that, <laughs> yeah. that, that immediately did not compute. Um, they, they don't really, really explain what it is, but so. I think it's like an accounting course. Sure. But still a week long accounting course. That doesn't really make sense. The plan was that she was going to hang out and see Ashton Kutcher. They're best friends. They chat all the time, every single day. They share everything about their lives with each other. And then someday the person that's supposed to watch her son bails, who actually Rachel Bloom in a tiny, tiny part, but she, something comes up and she can't watch the kid. So then Ashton says, oh, I'll fly out to California, watch your kid while you fly to New York and do your course and you could stay at my place. And I'm such a good guy, right? Uh, so they switch sides of the country, hence your place or mine. And they switch houses, and it's kind of your classic trading spaces. You, you're, we're switching lives, and none of it works. No, it's very strange. Like I don't understand how you can have chemistry with someone who you don't even share the screen with. Like I don't understand how this rom com was ever supposed to work when they're just always on the phone with each other and then like learning about each other's lives that way. So like there's some fun like secondary characters like Tignataro, like she's always pleasant. And who's the girl that? Zoe Chow. Zoe Chow. She was the best part. Yeah, so sure. she was definitely the best part. But it's also like, why couldn't Reese and Ashton just be in a scene together you know what i mean until the very end they don't they're not in a scene together it's written and directed by the person that wrote 27 dresses yeah. and the devil's wear prada devil <laughs> the devil wears prada and i love those movies yeah so the pedigree was there and re-signed up uh i don't know they were very stiff everything the whole was movie stiff. it was it's, very weird the movie seemed to be written by chat gpt that's what it felt like when i started thinking about it it was really really lazy and underwritten it felt like it was written by someone that just hadn't actually lived in the world it felt like it was written by the cat character from extraordinary <laughs> that understood things about the world and saw them but wasn't human at all and didn't even experience any of it and had really no emotion like some, even some of the gags 
were just so lazy and they didn't make sense. They made the, I was just the whole time I was complaining about it. They made a joke about too many remotes with your living room, which is a classic bit. Everybody has like their one remote that does this or one remote that does that. But when he was explaining it, he was, the way he explained what each remote did, it made no sense. He said one con- controlled the cable so to make sure the Wi-Fi was on. It just, yeah, even but, if so that's a joke, it's not funny. For um, Reese's house um, with the kid in Ashton, but then they also had that same joke in Ashton's apartment here in Dumbo. Yeah, so at one point, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so Ashton Kutcher's character is very rich. He has a very nice, ridiculous apartment overlooking the Brooklyn Bridge. And... He has he has an iPad that can control a lots of stuff in his house. Which those those are real things. Which is totally like, normal. Yeah. It's obviously connected to the Wi-Fi. And at one point she accidentally turns the music on. And apparently the trick is that you have to point it at the sensor. There's no sensor. We all know that. It's not a funny joke. It's not a funny bit. It's just like someone that someone that saw something in their friend's house of having everything connected to the smartphone, but then didn't understand how it actually worked and didn't know how to make it funny. They, they had a whole bit about wheelie bags. So both characters have the two wheel wheelie bags as opposed to the, the away bags now or whatever that have four wheels. And so many people make jokes about it. They're like, you know, they make bags with four wheels now. It's simply not funny. It's like, it's like um, if somebody made a joke Somebody got on a computer and typed in askjeeves.com to search it. And then the person next to them went, you know, Google exists, right? It's like, yes, everybody knows Google exists. These people aren't real. Like these people, it's, these people aren't real people. They're, they're nothing. They're, they're vessels for nothing. All of that stuff. It just, the chemistry wasn't there. Like they just, they just didn't work together, Rishi and Aston. Like it just felt, it felt very bland it was disappointing because, like, I want to like this movie. Like, I I love this type of stuff, you know? Like, I want it to be funny and romantic, and I want to shed a tear at the end. But at the end, to be honest, I was just annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, like, annoyed that I watched it. Presumably, the writer and Reese probably thought, wow, wouldn't it be interesting to have a romantic comedy where the two characters in the romance are actually never even on the same coast. And then making that actually happen, you realize it's simply not possible. It doesn't work. It doesn't, you know what? Maybe it would because there's so many other things in this movie that were just lazy. Like again, the gags, but even the filmmaking at one point, it was a tiny little thing. But again, after, after pointing out all these things, all movie of being like, that doesn't make sense. Why did they say that? She is walking through Dumbo and kind of realizing, ooh, I'm going to spruce up Ashton's Ashton's. I don't know apartment. why this one bothered you Drove so much. Drove me nuts because it's so lazy. It's yeah, so easy is- to fix this. She goes to a vendor who's selling. They had talked about herb plants. Oh, my God. She goes God. to a vendor that's You're selling herb plants. You're getting too nitpicky right now. No, but it was a sign of everything else that was wrong with this movie. It's a tiny little microcosm of that she asked, she picks up three pots. She asked the person, how much for three? Smash cut to her setting them up in the apartment and there's five. So why not just ask, how much are these? How much are these? What's for one? How much for five? Like why say how much for three and then get the prop person to set up five? 
or just set up three. Like it's just a tiny inconsistency that is a microcosm of how lazy the rest of this movie was. There's basically no conflict as we talked about. Like it doesn't have your classic, will they or won't they? Oh, they will. Now they're fighting. Oh no, it's definitely not going to work out. We're all sad. Yeah. Oh, they worked it out. Yes. There's just none of that. It's It goes from we're friends. You didn't tell me you wrote a book. We're lovers. That's it. And just all rom, no com. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I guess it was, it took itself a little too seriously and it was just bad. Like there was just other moments that they could have, you hint at things earlier, you hint at Ashton still loving her. Something simple of, it's like basically they told us that Ashton loved Reese Witherspoon's character. And they also told us he was some sort of unlovable prick who broke up with girls every six months. And, but they didn't show it and they never showed really, they could have established why after they hooked up the first time, why it didn't work for Reese's character. They basically just said, oh, we hooked up. Ashton said, we can't be together. And that was it. And now we've been friends for 20 years. But why not show, oh, Reese Witherspoon was also hesitant because it didn't seem like he was mature enough and she wanted a family. And at the time, he didn't. And now she still questions, can he be a good father? And then she sees that when he's taking care of her son, he is a very good father figure and he really helps the kid. But they didn't establish that as a conflict at all. And they didn't establish why that Ashton still loved her. I could keep going and ranting on it, but nobody wants to hear that. They didn't establish really anything. There was no conflict. There was no chemistry. It didn't make sense. The writing was boring. Now for something that was uh, boring and maybe overwrought to something that was super fun um, and something we actually enjoyed watching a lot, surprisingly, was Shotgun Wedding. So Shotgun Wedding is the new J-Lo movie with... Um, Josh Dumel. Josh Dumel and... Uh, I expected not to like this movie, to be completely honest. I was going in thinking this is going to be cheesy, like just especially after watching um, Your Place or Mine. I was just like, yeah, this is not going to be good. But I thought it was really funny and really good, to be honest. I mean, it got a little crazy at the end, but I was kind of in for it. Yeah, it was goofy and over the top, but definitely funny. The jokes landed and we can compare it to the previous movie where the jokes were just lazy and obviously nobody gave any notes. Yeah. But this, this movie was really funny. The jokes were actually really funny and the characters were clever and interesting. And yeah, they were ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous, but it worked and the lines were smart even in this crazy scenario of of pirates taking over a wedding in the Philippines. Yeah, so essentially just Josh Jumel and J-Lo are set to get married in this beautiful resort in the Philippines, and pirates come in and take over the wedding and um, try and get money from J-Lo's dad, who is Cheech from Cheech and Chong, that I didn't even realize until the end of the movie. And it was fun. It had a lot of cool people. Like we said, J-Lo and Josh Dumel. Um, Jennifer Coolidge plays Josh's mom, who I really stole every scene she was in. Like, I have to say, I was expecting to be, like, maybe tired of her and a bit, like, not annoyed, but just, like, 
a little sick of like her shtick, but honestly, she did great. Like every thing that came out of her mouth, I was dying. She's a legendarily funny person. I know. And I guess I just like forgot, you know, before the White Lotus, like that's all she did. And yeah, I, she was great. Yeah, she had a full hilarious career before the White Lotus made her a global superstar, I guess. The only thing that I didn't love was Lenny Kravitz's character. I was just kind of, every time he was kind of on screen, I was like eye rolling. But I mean, he did that one, I don't know, whatever he, the charismatic playboy. His, his beautiful man. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that, that was that was Yeah, and I guess that was the point. They started off that he's the, ex -bo the ex-boyfriend who, or actually the ex-fiance who, the dad invites to the wedding because he's a he's a good businessman and they're business partners now. And then it it, it turns into that he's somebody else. But it, it's kind of a thankless role. Like somebody kind of has to be the straight man and in this case the villain. And I feel like in most of these movies where, you know, it's not it's not a serious movie. So the villain that has to be like mean, it's just never gonna be the best unless they're insane over the top mean and Lenny Kravitz just is not gonna do that. And the one thing that I thought was funny and kind of confusing the whole time, the girl who plays Cheech's girlfriend, whose real name is Darcy. Yeah, Darcy Carden. Yeah, Darcy Carden. And then J-Lo's character in the movie, her name is Darcy. And it just was like confusing me the whole time. I mean, I eventually got used to it, but I just thought it was so strange when they were in scenes together. A weird choice, you know, when you're naming things. I mean, it's her real name. It's not like there was a different character named Darcy. Yeah. But I bet it was confusing for her for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing that was really fun about it was that they really leaned into the violence. Yeah, and the was, action of it. It was crazy. It was pretty violent. There were some pretty gnarly scenes. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. Like, they, it's just, it seems crazy. Like, so full disclosure, we decided we were going to watch these three rom-coms. And we were going to go in order of worst to first or best best to last or whatever. And I fully expected Shotgun Wedding to be the worst one. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. So maybe it's a thing of expectations That's that you true. expect it to be terrible, I, I and it was actually really funny. And it and it and it was just it was it was over the over the top, but it knew it was over the top. Whereas your place or mine was just was just nothing. Like there was just no, yeah, there was there nothing was no there. Story, yeah. Um, and I don't know. And maybe it's also just J Lo. Versus Reese Witherspoon, I don't. It's true. I don't know if we need to like fully compare their careers and their abilities. I think Reese Witherspoon is also a good actress, but I think Jennifer Lopez is legitimately funny, and I just don't know if Reese Witherspoon is. She's obviously a great actress. But would Reese Witherspoon get like down and dirty like this? You know what I mean? She never like, has, so I don't know. Exactly. The only thing I could think of is that like mountain hiking movie, and even that. Sure. And then, but, and what's funny, and actually what I wanted to say about Your Place or Mine is like, these movies are are simple, right? They're going to work, usually. Even the worst ones or the most simple ones, like you you people, it wasn't great. But the uh, the special love time when they finally, it finally works out and everybody's happy, it works. And even in Your Place or Mine, when finally they, they get to it, the five minutes that there's actually a conflict and then they make up and Ashton says that he loves her, it still worked for that five minutes. But what I thought was cool about this this uh, pirate, uh, pirate action wedding. movie was that after like massive shootouts with Jennifer Coolidge and, and 
blowing people up and ziplining through the woods, dropping grenades. Someone getting chopped up by a helicopter. Yeah. Like when they finally do the. The wedding. The wedding and the, oh no, I definitely still want to get married and I love you and you're my person. It still really worked. And I it teared, up. teared up. Yeah. yeah. It, it got me in the end and that's what you want. Yeah, so it kind of yeah, had like everything. I felt I really for these people. It. Yeah, I felt for these people. Like it was legitimate. And I do have to say one last thing about this movie is J Lo looked so good throughout Crazy. the whole freaking movie, even in a bad wedding dress, which I would say is arguably not bad. She made that thing look so good, and especially by the end when it's like all falling apart, it probably looked even better. When she she had her glamour shot. Or not even like it was kind of like her action hero shot, yeah, her, her, her yeah. Ripley shot from Alien of of when she takes part of the dress off to be more comfortable and she picks up a gun and she's in like this half cut off dress and yeah. just like this badass moment. And it's all dirty and, and she ripped looks up. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah. looks amazing. It's she ridiculous. looks so good. And then she, yeah, she still has her full like face of makeup on. Mine would just be like down my face and wiped off by that moment. But yeah, no, she looked yeah, especially great. Especially in the tropics, it was, all, it was not one hint of sweat. Yeah, no, no frizz. Yeah. No frizz at all. The the powder person, the makeup department that would have to come in every between every cut. Yeah. Must have I been need one of those. Sprinting in and out yeah. constantly. I can't imagine. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I have to say I did really enjoy it. I did too. It was really good. <laughs> Shockingly good. <laughs> The the last movie, so actually the first movie we watched, but the last one we wanted to talk about because I think it was the best, even though Shotgun Wedding was really good, but it's hard to say it was amazing just because it's so goofy. But Allison Brie and Dave Franco's new movie called Somebody I Used to Know, they wrote it together during the pandemic and Dave Franco directed it. I think this might be his second movie after his spooky Airbnb haunted thing, uh, which Allison Brie was also in. It was also really good. Um, but so as opposed to so your place or mine and shotgun wedding are a little more of your classic rom-coms, you know, JLo's in it. So it's like your classic made in Manhattan type thing, although this one was closer to Pineapple Express. But I wouldn't go into somebody I used to know thinking that type of rom-com. This is I, more of like a drama in a way. Yeah, it's certainly really funny. And then the beginning of it, it really had some clever jokes that like obviously just a different comedy mind. It's a different it's a different audience, honestly, that they're going for, but it's closer to um, like the show Love Life, uh, the High Fidelity show, some of the Duplass Brothers stuff when they did a little more romance. And then specifically Joe Swanberg's movies, which in an interview, Alison Brie kind of called out because she had worked with him and Dave Franco had also worked with him. So they they kind of took that that vibe almost like a very indie romance about real people. That's what was so different about this one it just felt they felt like real people with real stakes and who made real mistakes and had real thoughts as opposed to your classic rom-com and especially your place or mine that they were they were just not real people you know everything was just laid out for them and the story was already there uh, a basic overview of the plot and we highly recommend you watch it so maybe pause it and go watch it and come back it's on amazon it opens up that allison brie is producing a kind of ridiculous baking show like one of yeah, your food reality yeah food food reality shows like the ones that are all over netflix like the is it cake is it cake or not right that was yeah, a, show yeah. on that, a real show on netflix which i watched yeah <laughs> she finds out the show is not getting picked up for season three so she decides to go home another classic trope kind of a down on your luck person going home to maybe rediscover 
themselves. And she runs into Jay Ellis, who is, we learn, an ex-boyfriend and much more than that, that they were almost married. They were contemplating starting an entire life together. And she bailed on that to go to Hollywood. And what we learn is try and make her documentary, her serious documentary dreams come to life. And then from what we've seen, that kind of turned into a very successful show, which is nice. I'm not knocking anybody and they're not knocking really anybody that that it comes to, but it's not fulfilling her in the way that she imagined a true documentarian career would be. Yeah. So she basically goes home, rekindles a friendship with her ex-boyfriend, Sean Jay, played by Jay Ellis. And she finds out he's about to get married. And then it's her goal to sabotage the wedding. And so it's kind of that typical trope. Like, I feel like we've seen Julia Roberts in these type of movies. But I really do love how this kind of flips it a little bit. I mean, it's definitely cringy at times. Alison Bree's character is a bit selfish and entitled. You think it's going to come to at an expense of a black woman, which is always just like a really bad look. I love how this movie gives uh, other women, Kiersey Clemens, who plays Cassidy, which is Jay Ellis's fiance's name this movie gives her agency like it makes her into a well-rounded character Alison Brie becomes friends with her and Sean Jay Ellis's character kind of just becomes like more of a side character but yeah Alison Brie and Cassidy's form a friendship and Alison starts seeing herself in this Cassidy character and she starts seeing like because Cassidy is in a band and she is still pretty young and has fully like she has these dreams. And Sean is very much like, no, I want to stay here. I want to build a family. I want to build my career here. So, yeah, Allison Brie starts to see in Cassidy, whom we're, int- we're introduced as that she was in. Uh, she is in a, a punk band with two other women. And they had been touring. They they bring up that they opened for Slater Slater Kenny. So like decent, not she's not you know super successful, but doing something, and they love it. She loves it. And once again, kind of like Sean, we learn did with Allison Bree's character, is like Irma just said, he has his life in this small town, and he has a business, and he has a house, and basically assumes and almost seems like demands or expects once again, this girl to kind of give up her dream, her dream and the touring his. life. Yeah. And even if it's not them killing it and making so much money, she's still young and she can still tour and still loves it. And basically concedes that she's going to stop. And she, she, that's, they, they played their last show. So Allison Bree starts to see that. And, Really what what I think separates this movie from most romantic comedies and makes it, again, more like your the classic Mumblecore, Swanberg-esque movies is that everybody makes mistakes. And, and honestly, for a lot of the movie, you're really rooting against Alison Brie, who's the lead, where in most of these rom-coms, you're like, oh, yeah – Jayla should 100% break up with this shitty girl yeah, and yeah. be with our queen. And they just they're just like no, everybody is kind of bad. Actually the 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 wronged woman, the other woman is other than her giving up her life is really the one that doesn't make mistakes. Like she is she is giving up her dream, but she's yeah. actually the most redeemable character. 
And so you're almost you're almost rooting for like Alex Labrie to just like back off, girl. Yeah, and um, so another character that we didn't even mention, um, Danny Pudi from Community, um, and he's in Myth Quest now. But I assume like Alison Brie and Danny became friends on Community, and it's just actually really fun to watch them on screen because you can probably just imagine that they're probably genuine friends, and they really showed that in this movie. And he voices to her like. You really need to stop this. Yeah, you know? he's the voice of reason. Yeah, he is almost. the voice of reason. And plays, he was the third friend when Alice and Brie and Sean were younger and in this town. And Danny Pudi is Sean's best friend. Yeah. Jay Alice's character's and best he's friend. He's so funny in this movie. Yeah, always. He's very funny. Yeah, just like everybody makes mistakes. Jay Alice's character makes a lot of mistakes. Like he doesn't, he doesn't fully commit to his fiance. He doesn't fully commit to Alice and Brie. When the movie opened, well, not open, but when Allison Brie and Jay Ellis meet each other at the bar, they spend all night together. And then when Irma said, oh, now she's going to realize that he has a boy, a girlfriend or a fiance. And I was like, How? but he just spent all night away. Like, that's so that's weird. Like, yeah, I, weird. Would, yeah. I would just I would never do that, darling. It would just never happen. I would never be in that situation, I don't think. And he does. And he makes mistakes and he doesn't. He sees what's happening with Allison Brie that she's involving herself in all of these pre-wedding events even though some of it's like his mom asking her to but like he can obviously say i need you to step away from this yeah i loved you once but i've moved on and things are different now and he never does that and so obviously he allows it just as much as allison brie is pushing herself a little too much and then by the end allison brie we keep saying her full name. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Allison Brie. You don't just say Allison. I know. Right? I know. Um, <laughs> Miss Brie. Mrs. <laughs> Miss Franco. Yeah. Well, she, I don't think she changed her name. Irma Montefusco. Yeah. So we realize that, um, or Allison, I should say, realizes that. Allison Brie. <laughs> within Cassidy, it's somebody she used to know. She recognizes within Cassidy that that spark, that drive, that willingness to take a chance on a dream is essentially what Allison was searching for rather than maybe an old flame. It's more of that drive that she wants back because she went to Hollywood to become a documentary filmmaker and then kind of got sidelined into making money, a quote unquote selling out by making this food show. And she realizes like, no, like, the somebody I used to know was like Cassidy and her dream. And so, and that inspires her to make the documentary she's always wanted to. And so at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, you see Alison Brie's boobies. A classic, a, a moment that will live in infamy. <laughs> in your mind. Yeah. She's, they, I mean, from community days, they named the monkey that was in community that character, I forget her character's name. But they called that that the monkey's name was that character's boobs. That was the name of it. I just forget really? her name. Yeah, like her boobs have always been a thing. Oh, and, she's uh, got good boobs. Yeah, and apparently in real life she's a big nudity gal. She's talked about it in a bunch of interviews, like in college, that she would kind of just walk around nude. And her and Dave Franco met, I think, on Molly one night, and they did. They open. did. Yeah, they, I yeah. was actually just watching an interview with them on GQ, and they she offered him Molly, and he was just like, "Well, I was going to take it. I had never taken Molly before, but I felt like I had to take yeah. it." Yeah, and actually, so the the one of the closing shots is they. They're making themselves 
comfortable. The documentary that she always wanted to do was about this nudist colony and event that she, you know, she self-discovers herself. Everybody learns something about themselves. The two, Jay Ellis and the other woman get married and um, Alison Brie goes and makes her documentary. And the way that she makes everyone on camera feel comfortable is that everybody in the crew is also nude. Yes. And I thought it was funny. Irma said, do you think Dave Franco and the actual crew yes. were also nude? And I'm thinking maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, thinking maybe. Dave Franco was That's probably a, hanging yeah. it out there just as like a, a solidarity for yeah, all of it. Yeah. And how do you how do you tell this story without imbibing it yourself and be like, we are free. Our bodies are free. We're, yeah. Everybody's good, man. I just, I have an image and I want to believe that everybody was naked. They're having a great yeah, time. Yeah. And that's it for rom-coms. I hope everybody had a very happy Valentine's day. Don't watch your place or mine, but if you liked it, Hey, to each their own, right? Exactly. Uh, I would say watch Shaka wedding. It's really fun. And somebody I used to know was in your classic rom-com, but we really liked it. And if you feel like you agree with our sensibilities listening to us these past few episodes, you'll probably like it too. A real story about real love and real pain. But next episode is a big one. We're going to see Ant-Man on Friday in the Dolby Theater. Ant-Man. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Was that a good impression? No. (laughs) Scott, I have something I can give you. Time. Time. Jonathan Majors, he, he they gave us a Oof. little peek at the end of Loki, but he's here. Kang is here. Kang. The new big bad. Five years from now, the Kang dynasty, whatever that will be. But Kang is here. We're going to be talking about our instant reactions to Ant-Man and what it means going forward. Are we scared about how multiversal time traveling gibble goopy doopy doop it's gonna get maybe it'll be great i'm thinking the trailer looks really good i think it's gonna elevate ant-man into a totally different a higher space than he has been within the the mcu i'm excited we're gonna go see it on friday actually so i think as we did with these rom-coms and as we did last week where we watched the one m night Shyamalan movie but that kind of got us talking about m night Shyamalan as a whole This will get us talking about the MCU previously and going forward. I think maybe we'll start, maybe we'll start a new segment that I'm going to call underrated, overrated. And we could say each of our most underrated and overrated MCU movies, make a little argument for that, that we can bring forward. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think it'll be a big, fun conversation. All right. Well, I think that's it for us today. Uh, Thank you so much to Craig for the production assistance and to John Welsh for our intro and outro music. Subscribe so you know every time we post a new episode. Follow us on all the socials at Talk Intent without the G. And feel free to email us any questions, comments, ideas, thoughts on your place or mine. Did you like it? That's the only one you care about. (laughs) Yeah. From our living room to yours, what do you want to watch?